so good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Aren't you glad you're in church today? Amen. Come on. It's a great place to be, and I'm glad you're here in God's house this morning. If you got your Bibles, if you would, open them up to Mark's Gospel in the 16th chapter, and I'm glad you are in church again this morning. I'm glad I'm here in church this morning. Let me tell you one thing about last week. Last week, we had a missionary, if you were here, and uh, we had the blessing of uh, a blessing that missionary in Guatemala with an offering, and uh, he called me from Guatemala yesterday or the day before. I can't remember. I was working, and I got this phone call, and I saw the name, and I was like, wow, he's supposed to be in Guatemala, and he was in Guatemala, and he called, and uh, we had about a 30-minute talk. It was really a great talk from, uh, he was really grateful for the church and for allowing him to come and preach, and uh, he was telling me he got back immediately, went to the dumps, and there's some issues in the dumps. Please be praying. They're trying to throw people out of the dumps. I mean, I mean that's, that's bureaucracy we get. We got poor people in the dumps just trying to survive, and now we're going to ban people from the, from the dumps. And so uh, he said to be praying for that. But also he said this, there was a family that you saw that he said uh, the guy was being raised up to be a pastor there. And, uh, and they were in real some dire need, that family is. And they were struggling with land payments and, uh, and, and various things. And they also needed a refrigerator and uh, their car trouble. And he had already told me, he said before they came here, they decided that uh, they said, if we get something from this church, we're going to uh, give it to uh, this family. If it's, and so he asked me after the service, he said, do you mind if we give the offering that you gave to this family? I said, no, you do whatever you want to do with it. Uh, it's yours. And uh, so anyway, uh, when he, he said, we got home and we couldn't wait. We called them over to our house. And he said, we were, uh, they were in our living room. And he said, we typed in the amount of money that, that, that your church gave into the translator so that they could see it. And he said, when, the, when they saw the amount, they just started weeping. And he said, the woman could hardly breathe. She was just overcome with so much emotion. And she said, it, it was the exact penny, the exact amount that they needed to eliminate the debt and burden. God is an awesome God all the way down to the, to the exact amount that he put on our heart to give to the exact amount this family needed. And uh, man, thank you for your giving. God, you, God used you to, uh, in, in, in a mighty prayer and, and to give. And, uh, and, and so we're so grateful for that and uh, appreciate that so much. Appreciate, appreciate the way you love missions and missions work around the world. And so uh, thank you for your giving. We want to preach this morning on come and see. Come and see. When, when, when people come to uh, church service like this on Easter Sunday or, or somebody's new to the faith or somebody's not even in the faith and they come to church or get around Christian people, often they wonder, uh, uh, they're thinking uh, it's hard for them to understand why we get so excited, why we begin to clap, why we begin to cheer, why we begin to jump up and down, why we begin to get so excited about Good Friday and resurrection. Why, you know, the question becomes, why did Jesus die? And, and, and why did he have to die a death that was so gruesome and so uh, harsh and so terrible? And when, you, when we begin to do that, people react different ways. When we preach the death of uh, 
and uh, uh, Good Friday and we preach the resurrection, we have all kinds of reactions from different people in different ways. You know, uh, we, we, people, I heard them all outside of my office, some are yelling, Jesus is risen. That's kind of my personality. We come out and just bust in the door and we're loud and, and, and in your face. Jesus is risen. And then we have other people in here that go, Jesus is risen. You know, and that's okay. I'm glad we're kind of becoming this interdenominational, uh, like all, all types of, uh, of people from various backgrounds that, that, that have come inside these walls and, and they worship Jesus and, and, and some, are, some, are, some are boisterous, some are quiet, but we're all worshiping uh, Jesus and we have different reactions and sometimes that can be uh, confusing to different people. But Mark 16, we want to see a reaction today. I want to tell you why maybe some of us have these reactions today. And we find Mary Magdalene. There was a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. If you read on down in the story in Mark 16, you see that this woman at one time was uh, more than likely she was demon possessed. She, uh, she, she, uh, Jesus came and, and changed this woman's life. She was a, in a real bad shape and, and, and she became one of the greatest converts. Seems that she might have even had some money after that, that she was able to help finance the, the gospel and to give to the ministry of Jesus Christ. She is the first one here that comes to the tomb and looks in to see and gets to see Jesus. Come and see. And I want you to look at this with me at what it says here. And, and, and kind of want you to see this morning. And maybe you have a reaction when you take a deeper look into what's happening. Why we went uh, Friday night to a community service down here. Why we came last night and some of us came in this room and got in a circle of chairs and just began to sing praises for a long time to our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we do that this weekend? Why do we do that always? And so uh, we want to see this. Mark 16 says that Mary is the first to the tomb. She meets an angel and here's what the angel says. Look at what it says. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the mother of uh, 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 Mary Magdalene, and then it goes on to tell about Mary, the mother of James. If you go further down, it tells us Mary was the first to see him. And then it says in Salome, bought brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, Jesus, after sunrise, they were uh, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side. That was an angel. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking, and look, you would be alarmed too. If you buried your loved one and all of a sudden you went to, to the grave the next day or two and you're going to check on it, you're going to go in there and you're going you're gonna, to uh, serve him by anointing the body with spices and you come to the grave and the body's gone, Raymond, I think you're going to be alarmed, right? But the angel says, do not be alarmed. He said, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. And this is what I want you to do. I want you today to do what she did. See the place where they laid him. See the place. And then he said, but go tell his disciples and Peter. And that's, we're going to look at that in a minute. He is going ahead of you into Galilee and there you will see him just as he told you. 
Now Mary, as I said, was once in a broken and dark place. Some of you may be in a broken and dark place here this morning. She was in a very dark place at one point and she met the Master. And everything changed in her life. She became a new creation in Jesus Christ. And can you imagine Mary being here at this place? Being here the week of the Passion. uh, uh, The Passion of Christ. When I say the Passion, that's the week that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and He's going to die. That starts the events that... He has come for. He's come to die for the sins of humanity. And all of a sudden, he begins this week where there's trial after trial that they come and all these false accusations and there's, there's, uh, there's, there's the beatings, there's the scourgings, there's the mocking, there's the beard pulling, there's all kinds of there's the, uh, uh, things going on. And can you imagine that Mary, Mary has a bird's eye view. When I watch The Passion, how many in here have ever watched The Passion? Come on. It's emotionally and spiritually tough, isn't it? You almost have to stop the movie at times and catch your breath before you can kind of go on with the rest of the movie. It's that intense and it's that harsh and that grueling when you begin to watch what they did to our Lord and Savior. Well, imagine being there. Imagine Mary having a bird's eye view of this whole thing and watching the passion of the Christ. She watches him ride into Jerusalem. She watches them arrest him. She, she knows about the disciples scattered. She knows all that's going on and she's seeing the beast. She's seeing the cat of nine tails lash across his back. She is seeing the nails go through his hands and feet and the crown of thorns being placed on her head. And she's thinking, none of this makes sense. He's the Messiah. He is the one who came. And now he is here. And now he's being crucified. And now he's dead. And she comes in her hour, the one who has served her, now to serve him in his death. And she comes with the spices and she comes with everything, the morning and the wee hours of the morning. And it says she saw. Come and see. Come and see. And that's what I want you to do today. I want you to come and see why Good Friday and why the resurrection. So, so, that, you, so that, 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 that if you don't have a clear understanding of what the resurrection is and what Good Friday is, that today you live, you see it. You come and see what this is all about. And secondly, if you're a Christian and you just kind of got ho-hum, that there's something that gets sparked inside of you and you have a greater understanding and you have something that comes alive in you again so that you can go out and tell others about this glorious resurrection. Amen? And so first, when you come to and see uh, this, uh, when you come and see the, the, the Good Friday, and when you come and see the resurrection, the first thing that you see is that your debt is paid. You see that your debt is paid. You see that your debt died with Jesus. Your debt died with you. You say, I don't have any debt. I'm debt free. No, you have a debt. You have a debt. Every man has a debt. Listen to what the Bible says in Colossians 2. When you were dead in your sins and in, your, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that means that all of us are dead in sins. That means the Bible says that the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. That tells us that the Bible says there are, there, that there are none righteous. It's not, not one in this room is righteous. There is not a righteous person on the face of the earth besides God. There is none righteous. No, not one. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've all strayed away from God. We all have bit the theological fruit that says that we can be godly without God. That's the 
said that's the fruit we ate in the garden. That's what Adam and Eve did. They came with a choice in the garden. And it was a choice between the, 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 the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they bit in the serpent. The serpent. Folks, I don't think it was literally him being a serpent. I think he had the nature of a serpent. You can argue with me all day long. But listen, the nature, I believe he was beautiful because he was the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful created beings that God's ever created, Satan was. The devil. And folks, I'm telling you, I believe he came down in that garden and he had the nature of a serpent. Let me tell you what the nature of a serpent is like. They don't have any ears. So they can't hear anymore what God has to say. Yeah, that's what's sown into us. You can't hear the Word of God anymore because you got a nature that, that, and you got a tongue that leads you where, see, that they're led by their tongue. They're led by their speech. And so we have this crooked and perverse speech that comes outside of the Word of God that begins to say, I can get to God without going the way that He prescribes us to go. I can become godly with my own reasoning and my own thought. Oh, that religion that you preach there, that's archaic, that's old. Always lead to God. We're sincere about God. And so you're, you can't hear the Word of God anymore. you got the nature of this serpent inside of you. you got these ridiculous fig leaves now that are covering you, trying to be religious and trying to make you right before God. And I'm telling you folks, you can't be right before God Without God. Led by foolish talk all over social media, all over your television, all over your colleges and universities, telling you all kind of foolishness coming out of the mouth of the wicked one. Sown with the very nature inside of us, like the nature of a serpent that can't hear and, and just led by foolishness and foolish talk. But Jesus comes, and what's amazing is when you begin to see this God, even knowing this, comes, comes even knowing that He gave us a choice and knowing that the creation that He gives a choice to is going to choose the wrong thing. Even knowing that, the Bible says He still came. And even though the wage of sin was death, He's coming to collect because He's a holy God and he can't, he can't not do anything about the sin. So He's got to have the payment and the payment, the wage of it was death. And so you're going to have to pay the price. You're going to die. And I'm not just talking about physical death. I'm talking about they died spiritually. And how do I know spiritual death is happening now? Because we got a world full of drugs. we got a people that are miserable. They're dead inside. They're dead in their trespasses and sin. We got, we got gender confusion. We got people, we got kids committing suicide left and right every day. You don't tell me we're dead inside. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. You're, we're miserable people without God. Trying to find a way to God without God. Amen? Amen. And you can't do it. And so he says, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh... That God made you alive with Christ and He forgave us our sins. What a deal. What a deal. Come and see why we're shouting about Resurrection Sunday. Come and see why I'm shouting about Friday, Good Friday. And why I'll go to a service and touch, turn the TV off and come to a church building and worship the living God because He forgave my sins. 
Oh, I know. I know. Society just told you you're good. Yeah, I, I know. I know you're not that bad, and that's why you don't. That's why we don't shout and get excited because you you just kind of need a little covering. You know, you 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 just kind of need. Uh, 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 you you don't really need a savior, right? Sin was a big deal. Sin was a very big deal. All you need to do is stare at the cross a little bit longer. All you need to see is an innocent man up there hanging. At least one of the thieves had enough sense to recognize. I hope you have enough sense to recognize that's an innocent man up there dying for me who's guilty. Something's wrong here. Something's very wrong. This God is hanging on a tree for men that, that have despised Him and rejected Him. And He's paying their price in full to whoever will come and receive it. But they're rejecting their own salvation. What foolishness! The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. No, the fool. If you're here today and you don't believe in God and the universe and all this is God and you've reduced God down, you're, the fool has said it's in his heart. There is no God. And so the angel tells to his disciples and Peter, they, they've all scattered and Peter has denied him. And here's what he begins to say. He, he says, tell the disciples and Peter, what a God. What a God. Can you imagine this God? I want you to stare at it. I want you to look at His greatness. Here is God. We've sinned. And all of a sudden, this God becomes a man. And He comes down to earth to pay the price for you and for me on the cross. My debt, the debt I owe. He comes and pays that price for me on that old rugged cross. And the Bible says all these disciples, when they arrest Him, they be, one of them betrays Him. And all the other ones begin to run. And they begin to scatter and they leave him and he's left all alone there to die by himself for the sins of humanity and even in that state he looks down off that cross and says Father forgive all of them they don't know what they do and I love one of the first things he does when he raises from the dead Peter has denied him three times even knowing him not only did they scatter, he denies him three times. And he says, go tell my disciples and Peter. I died. And those sins are gone. They're cast away as far as the east is from the west. I didn't come to condemn the disciples for scattering. I didn't come to condemn Peter for denying me. I came to tell him that on the cross a work was done. And that his sins have been washed away. And that if he'll receive it, that he can be forgiven. And have resurrection life and resurrection power. Amen. The Bible says he bore our wrath and our punishment. And so, so he's coming to those disciples and he's not throwing shade like you young people say. He's not throwing condemnation at them. He's looking to forgive. He's looking to forgive. God's not here to condemn you today. Just because this guy's screaming at you. God loves you. And he came to pay the price. Look at what he says in verse 14. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us. You, you were guilty. You were guilty. You had a legal debt against you that you're to owe, which stood against the God of the universe. He's holy. And we transgressed his law. 
Oh, you didn't? How about this? Have you ever told a lie? How many's told a lie? Well, the ones who didn't raise your hand, I know what you are besides the one who raised their hand. You're a liar. What does that make you? A liar. You ever stole something? What's that make you? A thief. It's not just Adam who sinned. We've sinned. We've transgressed God. And guess what? His religious system that was set up, the religious system of the day that was set up called the law and the old covenant, guess what? It had, here, here, was, the, here was the thing. He made a covenant with man uh, and, and him. And here's the deal. That sounds like a great deal. Let's make a deal, God. All right, well, here's the deal. You keep the entire 600 and some odd laws. You keep them all, Luke. And I'll bless you. But if you fail in one of them, I'll curse you. Oh, we can do that. And we've spent years with this ridiculous can get to God just like Adam and Eve where they came with their fig leaves. Oh, now they're robes. Now they're beads. Now it's a whole system that's trying to get to God apart from God. In your own strength. That somehow I can promise Him. The whole old covenant system was a promising. I promise you, God, I'll never sin again. Oh, I lied then. Yeah, right. But I'll never do it again. You know how ridiculous that system was? When you, when you, because it wasn't meant to give you the strength not to do it. It was meant to show you what you are. Yeah, because here's what they did. They took lambs inside that temple that they set up where they were to take a lamb and sacrifice when you made uh, all kind of blood was going on in that temple. And all kinds of sacrifices uh, were going on in the temple of God because there had to be bloodshed to make atonement. And so they would take an innocent lamb and they would shed the blood for your sin. But the problem was it could only atone or cover you for like a year or two. You went out and sinned again. It couldn't cover you forever and once and for all. And so here's what they would do. They would take a lamb up to the temple they would sacrifice it they would come out and they would beat their chest well I might have told lies back then but guess what hey I'm clean now I'm clean and I promise you God from here on out I got it I'm not going to sin again and he only gets about about 100 yards outside the temple before somebody comes along in their cart and runs over his new sandals and all of a sudden he gives them one of these and all of a sudden he begins to blurt things out of his mouth and he says oh shoot I failed again. I broke my promise to God again. Goes back to the money changer. How much for a lamb? Gets another lamb. Grabs it by the, 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 the little rope. Takes it back up the temple. The guy says, didn't I just see you here? And he's like, never mind. Just take it. Sacrifice it. And let's get this over. And that's what it was. It was just going back up there. Get more bloodshed. And then come back. And then mess up again. And then come back. And mess up again. And make more promises to God. And all this is going through a thread throughout the Bible. From all the way from Adam all the way through to Abraham, all the way through to the cross. And it's telling us why the cross and Good Friday are so incredible and why you need to see them and know why we get a little giddy around here. Amen? Amen. It's like this. With your debt. There was a preacher that went to Bible college. And he said in Bible college, this was before credit cards, before you could get credit cards like candy. 
And he said they would, mix, they, would, they would take turns, him and his buddy, paying for the meal when they would go out. So one particular day, they went and they began to pay for the meal. And they had eaten and uh, said they had been flirting with the waitress, all kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, said the, the check comes. And he says, you got it today. And he says, no, you got it today. And he says, no, you got it. And no, you got it. And all of a sudden, they realize neither one of them have their wallet with them. And they both there. And all of a sudden, uh, the, the, the manager comes out and says, I don't know about all of this, but somebody's got to pay the debt. And let me tell you something. If somebody has to pay the debt of a bill in a restaurant, somebody has to pay the debt for the bill of all the sins of humanity. Amen? Amen? And Jesus Christ paid that debt in full. And when Jesus went to the cross, that's why we get excited about the cross of Jesus Christ. Because He went to the cross, your debt was placed upon Him. And He paid the charge in full. And that's why He said at the end of that, when they nailed yours and my sins and all the accusations against us and every uh, written ordinance that is against us, nailing it to the cross and to the tree, He cried out, it is finished. Debt canceled. Debt paid in full for Brad Lindsay and and whosoever will that will come to me. And if they come to me, I will in no wise cast them out. Amen? Amen. What a God. What a God. Second thing you come, when you come and see, you come and see the new covenant. And I was kind of touching on that just a little bit. Because if you stare into this, listen to what the Bible says in Revelation 13. 8, the Lamb of God who was slain from the creation of the world. That is so amazing. That the God of the universe said, I know that I'm going to create them with an ability to make a choice. And I know beforehand what kind of choice they're going to make. And even though I know they're going to make a choice to reject me and to sin, I am still going to create them. And before I ever create them, I'm going to enact a plan that I'm going to redeem them before the foundation of the world. Amen? Isn't that awesome good news? I mean, that is amazing, great news the Bible tells us here. First Peter 1, 18 through 21 says, it like this. Listen to what it says. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but he was manifest in these last days when he came and showed up 2,000 years ago, who through him who believe in God who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. He came, folks, he gave his life on the cross and he died even before we were ever thought of. Come on, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? How could you reject that? And like we said, the Old Covenant is a law-based religious way to get to God. We bit into a theological fruit. It's not an apple. You say, oh, they bit an apple or, or whatever, a fruit you want to call it. They bit a fruit and God damned them for biting, biting a fruit. It wasn't the fruit, folks. It was a theological fruit that you can be godly without God. That's what they bit into. That's what they bit into, folks. It was a wrong theology and that, that you have the ability 
ability to be godly through human effort. And then they begin a whole, a whole system of religion that began to try to demonstrate that. And that's what came with the fig leaves. And that's what came with the robes in, in the temple and all the phylacteries and all the, the boxes on the head. And the old covenant could not make us right. And, and, and so Jesus, even back then, had instituted that system to show you that it could not do that. And they, all the way back in Genesis 3, 15, he was already preaching the cross of Jesus Christ because there's the first cross we see where it talks about he'll put enmity between uh, the, the, the woman and her seed and, and, and the enemy's seed and all of a sudden they will come and there'll be a clash and, and, and he'll bruise, bruise his foot and he will bruise the head of Satan and it just, he'll we see where he'll put the nail through the foot of Christ and through, then Jesus will, 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 will crush his head and we see that. We see that he was already talking about a way uh, to, to break through this wall of sin because that's what sin does. It separates us from God and it creates this wall where mankind can't get back into the presence of God. We can't come back to God in that state. So all of a sudden, how do we cross over? How do we get back? It's like making an omelet. And uh, anybody like omelets in this room? Come on. Yeah. Hey, man. You crack the omelet, put an egg in there. Crack another egg, but let's say the third egg that you get to and you crack it. I don't crack eggs like that with one hand. Let's say you crack the third egg and it's rotten, but you put it in there anyway. You say, I'll just stir it up. They'll never know. Put a little salt, put a little pepper, put a little, uh, uh, maybe some vegetables in there to cover it up. That's what happened with mankind. You can't undo sin. Once sin is in your life, it's there. It became part of us. It's mixed in together. And just putting some fig leaves and making you a nice grass skirt and a hat and coming before God and saying, here I am, God. You look like an idiot. Right? And that's exactly... And so, so how can this wall be broken down? And God made a plan and he, and to bring us into right standing and to deal with sin and this theological era. And we see it all the way through Scripture. These, there's these two threads running all the way through the Old Covenant. There's the law and then there's, there's this other thread of men who believe like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. And they put their trust and faith. And you see these threads running all the way through, all the way till they get to the cross at the culmination and the finality. They find their place in the cross of Jesus Christ and in in the death, burial, and resurrection. We see it all the way back in Genesis 12 where he tells Abraham, he says, come out from the nation that you're in, that seed that I was talking about. Come out from the nation that you're in and I'm going to make another race of people and they're going to be a godly offspring. And that's what he did. He did that. He said, go outside and see as many stars as there are in the heavens that, the, that, that they're going to be of your offspring. And that's what we see in Abraham, the father of faith. We see that the Jewish nation comes and we see then that out of the Jewish nation comes the church and then we see all these people that become a blessing Jew and Gentile to people all around the earth that are lights in the heavens. You're a star if you're a believer. You are shining in the heavens and you're like a light that is set up before the world. A city that is set up on a hill so that people can see that, that we will be a blessing to the whole world by telling them there is a God. There is one God and there's a mediator between man and God and it's the man Christ Jesus.
And you're the light of the world and you're to be a light of the world. And God made a covenant in Genesis 50. Are you okay if I preach a little bit longer? God made a covenant. Can you put off the Easter eggs for just a minute? This is important. Genesis 15, God made a covenant with this man called Abraham. And I want you to see something because I'm telling you, there was this other system that's running through to not to fix us, to show us that we're incapable of being godly without God. And then there's this other thing that's beginning to happen. This seed and this offspring that is coming that is going to redeem the world and mankind and that is going to tell people about the Savior. And all of a sudden these threads are running and they find their place at the cross and at the resurrection. And so he comes to Abraham and he makes this covenant with Abraham and he tells him, because there has to be a sacrifice, he tells him, bring some animals, bring a pigeon, bring this, bring that, and I want you to cut them up and I want you to slay them. And here's what would happen in a covenant. If Caleb and I made a covenant, what we would do is we would take some animals and we would spread that we would cut them and we would spread them out and we would make a pathway and then he and I would walk through that pathway together and we're promising each other that if we break this covenant then let what has just happened to these animals happen to me or you and when you read what happens in Genesis 15 the covenant with Adam was God and man but remember Luke you got to keep all 600 and some odd commands. And actually then it was just one and they couldn't even keep the one. Don't eat from the tree. But God does something interesting here. He sets Abraham aside. And he tells him to put the animals out there. And then all of a sudden, let me see if I can find it right here in Genesis 15. And I want you to look at what he does. Because I want you to see it. He puts him aside, he falls asleep, and he wakes back up. And then it says, And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces on the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, These, To your descendants I have given this land. And so what happened there is that all of a sudden there is a covenant being made, but this time it is not Abraham that is walking between that with God. Because remember, Abraham can't do anything in his own strength to keep up his end of the bargain. So do you know what happened? The Trinity came down and walked through that covenant and made the covenant right there the same covenant that they made before the foundation of the world. I will become a man. I will come down. I will keep the price. I will live a sinless life for humanity. I will go to the cross. I will bear their sin debt. I will pay the penalty and I will die and you raise me up on the third day. And so God didn't let Abraham walk through that. He walked through it. And basically said, if we don't keep our end of the bargain, then do this to us. But he knew he would keep his end of the bargain. So then we come to 400 years of silence. And at the end of 400 years of silence, mankind's not too much better. And all of a sudden, there's the voice of a man crying into the wilderness by the name of John the Baptist. And it was prophesied by Isaiah that there'll be a voice that'll rise up and he will come and he will declare the way of the Lord. 
He'll be screaming in the wilderness, make his path straight. And I'm begging you, if there is a path of pride in your life, tear it down. If there's a mountain of pride, bring it down today and humble yourself and find the way to God. If there's this false humility, oh, woe is me, I'm a worm. I can't come to God. I've sinned too much. Raise that thing up and come to God. If there's crooked ways and crooked things that need to be straightened out, let them be straightened out and find this God today because he wants you and he loves you and he's worthy to be praised. And all of a sudden, these people begin to stream out of the religious system that is not fixing their ills or their problems. And they're discovering now that they made so many promises that they can't keep. And they're saying, I promise I'll read more. I promise I'll pray more. I promise I'll do this. And I promise I'll do that. And I'll be a better husband. And I'll be a better wife. And I'll do this. And I'll do that. And I'll volunteer more at the church. And all of a sudden, they're wore out. And they're beat down. And they're tired. Kind of like all of us. And all of a sudden, they come to this man who has this fresh thing going on out in the wilderness and they're being led to him to be baptized by him and the Bible says they're recognizing their own need for God and they say God I repent I repent of this false theology that has been telling me I can get to God without God we repent John baptize me they begin to confess their sin they begin to tell things about themselves and all of a sudden John took them down into the water and when they went down into the water and all that died they come up out and they see behold the Lamb of God you can't see the Lamb of God until you recognize how sin sick you are and then you acknowledge it and then when it's buried and repented of and turned from then you rise up and you can see Jesus but see the Pharisees that day couldn't you remember what he said to them they came too to see the spectacle. Religion will always come around. And you know what they, you remember what Jesus said to them? Brood of vipers. You know why he said that? Because he went all the way back to the garden and they had that same nature still in them the nature of a serpent. You don't want to hear truth. Who's warned you to flee from the wrath of God? One more thing in the covenant, just to bring it kind of around full circle. Jesus, after this, you remember he's there on the day of, after he came riding into Jerusalem. And all of a sudden they come by the temple and they come to a fig tree. And you remember what he does to the fig tree? He comes to it and he finds leaf. Here's the thing. It says it was not in season for figs. So there's something more going on here. He's not cursing. It would, God would not come do theatrics or miracles just to do them. He's not there just to say, uh, I curse you tree who's supposed to bear fruit, but, you, but it's not the season. There's something going on here. And this is what I want you to see all through the Bible. I want you to see this thread. I want you to understand the covenant. Because if you look in and see, you can understand the covenant. And it will revolutionize your life when you read the scriptures and read the Bible. When you read Jesus into every page of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. You see this wonderful, glorious death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And here he is. And all of a sudden, they're here at this fig tree. And, all, and Jesus looks. And I believe Jesus is going back in his mind. Because of 
day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. I believe he's going all the way back to the garden. And I believe he is there. And I believe he's seeing Adam in that ridiculous fig leaf. He's seeing Adam there with all these stupid fig leaves on. And he can't bear fruit for God. Because you cannot bear fruit for God. Without God. That's what he told the Pharisees there. He said, you say you're children of Abraham, but guess what? I could cause these rocks to be raised up and make them children of Abraham. That's what he did, folks. It's a supernatural work. He makes us into seed of Abraham and offspring of Abraham spiritually. He takes a wretch like us and raises us up, us up with resurrection life and resurrection power. He does it supernaturally. Amen? Not with human effort. And so all of a sudden, I believe he's going back to the garden. And I believe he's hungering for humanity. And I believe he's saying, I want to be intimate with you. We walked in the cool of the day together. We had fellowship. Look at you. And look at the system that you've created. Look at the ridiculous figs and what it grew into with the crazy robes and all the, the rituals and all the other things trying in human effort to get to God. And I believe he's looking at that and I believe he's going back to the garden and he's saying, the, the, the curse, curse be that. Cursed be that system, cursed be that. Let it never bear fruit again. And then all of a sudden, the next day, they come. And Peter, Peter recognizes, he says, Hey, we were here yesterday, and the figs, they, they withered. And then you remember what he said? He said, look over to this mountain. And I believe what he was saying is, not only the figs, which is individual, like you and me individually, like what it's caused, what, what that system had caused and the problems. Like we, 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 we do drugs and we think, man, this is going to bring life. And then we find out it brings pure misery and all that. So we try to cover it up with figs and try to do all that we can. Or we do, you know, whatever, pornography, whatever we do. And then all of a sudden, but, but, uh, but all of a sudden, that's you individually making those coverings. But now we've got a whole system. We've got a whole system. Because what was the mountain he was speaking of, Joe? There's only one mountain around there. And it's called Jerusalem. And it had the temple up there on top so not only is he saying cursed be these figs but he's saying look up there if you could say to that mountain be you removed and cast into the sea then it could be done he's saying i not only want to do away with this that is causing individuals to stumble but i want to do away with the whole system that thinks they can get to god apart from me and that's why he came. And this is, look, look, this is what Jesus did in the covenant. Show me. This is, the, this is the part. This is the agreement that you and I couldn't do. And we keep boasting, God, I'll do my part. God, I'll come to church more. God, I'll pray more. God, I'll do this. Baloney, you can't. And here's what took place between the Father and the Son to purchase your salvation. This is why I'm telling you, get a little bit excited when we sing, He is risen, He is risen, He reigns forevermore. 
Because in order for him to get your salvation secured, in order to get the ridiculous garbage off of us and find a way back to God and make us clean and right before God, he had to do this. Jesus, he said, in order for the covenant to be enacted, Jesus, you have to be born a man. You have to come. You have to leave the throne room of heaven. You are God. You are the creator God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And he became flesh, didn't he? And he dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Son of God, full of faith, uh, full of tr- grace and truth. And so he said, in order for this to work, you're going to have to become a man. Jesus says, okay, done. Check. And then he said, here's the second part for you to keep your, when they walk through that covenant, let me tell you where he saw the covenant again. You can see the thread of the covenant. How about when Jesus comes out of the baptismal waters, we see the same trinity show up again, because what happens, he comes up out of the waters and all of a sudden the spirit of the de- Uh, The Lord descends upon him. The Father is there. The Son is there. And the covenant is being reenacted again. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So he says, you're going to have to come. You're going to have to be born a man. Fully God, fully man. You're going to have to live a sinless life. You're going to have to spend 33 years on that earth. And you've got to keep the law perfectly. You got to keep that religious system that's been enacted perfectly. You can't fail in one part. You've got to have complete personal obedience. Everything the Father tells you to do, you better do it. He says, I'll do it, Father. And then he said, You got to be the Lamb of God because there has to be a sacrifice, and the blood of bulls and goats will not suffice. It has to be a perfect, spotless lamb. Man has to pay for his sin. It has to be a man, and it has to be a perfect man. And God, he says, I'll do it. And here's what Jesus says. Okay, Father, when he cries on that cross, it is finished. He said, my part has been done. Check, 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 check. It is all over. I've enacted my part of the plan. Now, Father, here's what you've got to do on your part of the plan if I do this then you guarantee that you'll raise me to life on the third day if I live a spotless life if I become a man if I have personal obedience to you if I'm the lamb of God that is perfect and spotless and sinless then when I die and I give up the ghost and I say into your hands I commit my spirit then I can trust that you're going to raise me to new life and seat me in heavenly places and put me at the right hand of you again God He says, check, and you've got to impute your righteousness, my righteousness to them. This is why we get excited, Haley. Because you don't know what impute impute means. That means he takes your sin. When he was on the cross, he took your sin and imputed it to Jesus. Jesus. And then he takes his righteousness and imputes it to you. The divine exchange. My lying, my cheating, my stealing, my long tongue that talks about people. All my blaspheming of God, my cursing, all my sins. He imputes to Jesus and treats Jesus as he would treat me. That's what the cross is about. I hate sin. I'm going to punish sin. Every child molester, every rapist, every liar, every cheater, 
Every sexual pervert, I'm going to take and I'm going to, I'm going to put it on him and I'm going to treat him just like those people. And that's why it said it pleased the Father to bruise him and to crush him on that day. And then he gives us his perfection, that living perfectly for 33 years. Why do you want to make some promise you can't keep? Why do you want to say, I'm, I promise you again, I'll do better? It's His perfection. It's His righteousness. I, God, give me Christ. Let Christ live in me. Give me His perfection. Impute His righteousness to me. And then He says, when, and then you got to impart the inheritance. you got to give Him everything that was won for me on the cross. And then fourthly, He says, and resurrection life to all believers. you got to give them resurrection life. they got to be where, with me where I am. Where I am, there you may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will surely come and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Do you understand just what it took for God Almighty to come down and redeem sinful man and mankind? And you wonder why we clap, and you wonder why this preacher wants to preach for about an hour, and yea, while we yawn and get tired? Because I never grow old of what he did for me. I never grow old of what he did to save the world. It's mankind. Amen? And so on the cross, he said, it's finished into my hands. I commit my spirit. Father, do you take over on your part? And then the last thing I want you to see in closing, praise team or whoever you can come. I don't even know what time it is. 12.05. You're five minutes out of official church religious time. Jesus wants to give you, lastly, when you look in and see, He wants you to experience resurrection life. Resurrection life. Res- Some of you look like you got resurrection death. You look miserable. No, I'm going to be honest. Some of you, I can see right into your soul. And I can see you're in trouble spiritually. I can see. I can see it. I can see the misery. I can see the hate toward God. Do you know that they hated God so bad that when he showed up on the scene and told them their righteousness was no good and wouldn't get them to God? You know why I know they hated him? You said, that's harsh words, brother. No, I'll tell you why I know they hated him. They crucified him. His own creation pulverized him. Here's what he says. Paul, who was not there at the resurrection, he comes later. It's amazing. This is how I know you can know the resurrection life for yourself and know it after that day. Because listen, he gives Paul the ability to write this. And here's what he says in Revelation 1.18. He says, pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened. Doesn't that sound like come and see? Doesn't that sound like come and see? Paul says, I want you to pray that your eyes may be enlightened. This is my prayer today, that you will come and see that your sin debt is gone. That you will come and see this glorious new covenant that runs all throughout the Bible. That man cannot be godly with, uh, without God. And that God put an end to that old covenant and brought and instituted a new covenant where He was leading you to the mercy of God and to a place where we would leave that, go down into the baptismal waters like they did with John 
and come out saying, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's the one. That's Him. That's the one who's going to impute righteousness to me. That's the one can get me out of my mess. That's the one I'm putting my trust in. It's not Buddha. It's not Allah. It's not Muhammad. It's not the universe. It's not some other garbage you try to come out. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That in order that you may know. That you may know. That you may understand today what was accomplished for you on Good Friday and at the cross. This church ought to be full. No, it ought to be busting over today. If they understood what was accomplished. Every church in this city ought to be busting over. Every church in this world, rather than us looking bored and wanting to get somewhere else. We are, if we understood, if we understood what was done for us at the cross. And Paul says, I want you to understand. I want you to know. And he says, I want you to know that you may know the hope to which he's called you. And the riches of the glorious inheritance in His holy people. And His incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparably great. I mean, He can't even get a word to describe the power that raised Jesus from the dead. He can't even come up with a word to describe it. I mean, greater than 100 atomic bombs. Greater than the U.S. military. Greater than Chinese military. Greater than anything in the world. He's saying, this power that raised you, Jesus, from the dead, now lives inside of every believer here. Amen? You can't quit. You know what got me out of pornography? Drinking, lying, stealing. It wasn't church and religion. It wasn't Brad Lindsay's willpower. It was the resurrection power. I could not get free come hell or high water. And all of a sudden I met Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And He came inside of me with a power that had like dynamite, dunamis power. That had the power to set the captive free. I'm telling you, I don't care what you're battling here today. If it's unbelief, if it's fear, if it's worry, if it's anxiety, if it's depression, if it's this or if it's that. Jesus. Christ's resurrection life and power has the ability to set the captive free here today. And he says it's that same power for those who believe and that mighty strength. And he says he exerted it when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. And Ephesians 2 6, I, I, my last and final fifth closing. And God raised us up with Christ. No, He took me out of a bar stool. And a whorehouse. And seated me in heavenly places. And you're sitting in your misery and your filth and your stench today, even though you're in a blue chair in Brookside Church of God. And that same power can resurrect you from this place that you're in today into heavenly places. 
That's where he wants to take you today. In order that in the coming ages, look at this, man. He might show us off the incomparable riches of his grace. You're going to stand there and you're going to say, grace, grace. Look at my garment of grace. Where's Steve? Amazing grace. Amazing grace. We're going to be the incomparable riches of his grace. The only way any of us got here. We're all level at the cross. There ain't no big, big people or little people. All level at the cross. We all have failed and come short of the glory of God. No big shots. That in the ages to come, He may show the grace, the power of His grace, expressed in His kindness to Him. Quit, do not tell me my God is unfair. And, they, and, and, and don't ever take from this preacher when I yell and scream that God's mad at you. God loves you. And He's wanting to demonstrate the kindness that He's offering today in Jesus Christ. And then here it is, lastly. For it is by grace, unmerited favor, you have been saved. Through faith, that means through trusting Him with your life. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that none of us in this room can boast about our salvation. And that's it. And all I can say is words today, but I hope God convinces you. Father, we love you. And God, I thank you that you, before the foundations of the world, had it in your heart to create us. Knowing even then that given a choice, we would choose to rebel and sin against you. And even then, God, you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever would believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of truth. And Father, You went so far as to coveting, making a covenant, and ensuring a plan, God, that all the way from Genesis to Revelation, you had our back and you were bringing the salvation of mankind. And you, were, you would recreate us into a new, new creation. That when we put our faith in the finished work of Jesus, that somehow the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and recreates us. Changes us from that old nature and makes us into something new. Old things pass away and behold, everything becomes new. I, I don't know how to explain it. I, I just know it happened and I believe it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead came into my life. And one day I wanted one thing apart from you and the next day I desired to live for you. And God, I believe you want to do that for somebody here today. 
I believe that you're no respecter of persons, God. And the hour is very late and this world is shaking like never before. And you said in Hebrews that it's going to get so bad in the last days that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That only that which remains can remain. Father, we're going to need you in this last hour. We're going to need a relationship. And you have gone a long way in trying to ensure a relationship with us. The old covenant was a, God, we promise, we promise, we promise. And the new covenant is, I don't want you to make any more promises. I make the promises to you. Now believe them. Now believe them and receive them. And so if you're here today, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He died, He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, if you repent and believe, you can be saved.